Welcome to Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, your one and only Dr. Kamala D. Here to teach you Bible truth so you can grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. So get your Bibles, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Good day, saints. Today is Monday. It is February the 12th of the year 2024. Today is Lundi Gras in Louisiana. It is the day before Mardi Gras. I do not go to parades. I don't participate in anything pertaining to Mardi Gras. Maybe 30 years ago, yes, but um, my focus now is the things of God. Uh, There's no judgment here. There are hundreds of thousands of people in Louisiana, in New Orleans today, down here for Mardi Gras. My family loves Mardi Gras, but my focus is on the things of the Lord. Amen. Now, in case you guys haven't recognized my voice, I am the host, founder, and teacher of Learning Bible Truth Ministries, your one and only Dr. Kamala D. Now, I will be reading from the New King James Version. I will not share the name of this episode until after we read the opening scriptures. It doesn't matter which version of the Bible you have because in the end, we will be on the same page if you are following me. Okay? So with that said, let's get this truth on the road. Go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, I will be reading verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Verse 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples If you have love for one another. When Jesus gave this commandment, it was the basis for the new covenant. The law of love. The covenant of love. The decree of love. The order of love. The essence of Christianity is to love our brothers and sisters in Christ and to show love towards our neighbors as we love ourselves. Even if your neighbors are not born again or if they are non-believers, we must love them anyway. Now, loving your neighbor is not necessarily the person who lives next door to you. Your neighbor is anyone you encounter throughout the day. Now, the name of this message is entitled, Living the Laws of Love. Living the Laws of Love. Now, I want you to notice, I say laws. That is plural. It is not singular. I said laws. So throughout this message, you will learn the three laws of love that we as Christians are supposed to be living by. It's not a choice. 
Jesus gave us the third law. He said that we are to love one another. That is a new commandment that he gave us. So when Jesus gave this new commandment, it was the basis for the new covenant. However, loving God first has always been a law. So with that said, Jesus told a lawyer of the Pharisees in Matthew. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 22. And you guys know me. We read a lot of scripture here. We read in order for us to grow in faith. We must know the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You don't need to hear my voice all the time. You need to hear me reciting scripture and then giving the definition of them. So go to Matthew chapter 22. I'll be reading verses 35 through 40. I'm still in the New King James Version. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version until I tell you differently. Okay. Beginning at verse 35, a lawyer who was a Pharisee said this. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, he asked a question to Jesus. Teacher. Which is the great commandment in the law? Verse 37, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, I want you to keep in mind, Jesus said this before the new covenant took effect. Loving God and your neighbor has always been a law. Verse 38 says, this is the first and great commandment. What? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second commandment. Verse 40 says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I want you to hold on to verse 40 all the way to the end of this message. On these two commandments, Jesus said, hang all the law and the prophets. Now the laws of Moses and the prophets were summed up by these two laws. There were 613 laws that the Israelites were unable to keep. Just too many of them. They really didn't care. They, they, you know, they sinned every day. They sinned against God. They offered their sacrifices, animal sacrifices, and they just kept on sinning. Now, if they had kept these two laws, they would have been in good standings with God. They wouldn't have needed the Savior. But thank God they didn't keep them. They couldn't. They couldn't do it physically in their physical bodies, their flesh. They couldn't do it because we would never have met the Savior. If they hadn't continued to sin, my God, my God. Now, in addition to these two laws, we must love our sisters and brothers in Christ. These are the three laws we should walk in every single day. The apostle Paul understood the law of love very well. Paul walked in love. He taught the law of love. He lived the law of love. Go to first Corinthians 13. First Corinthians chapter 13, I'll be reading verses one through eight. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clinging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy 
and understand all mysteries. Paul was awesome. Paul is my guy. He was that guy and he is my guy. Paul says in, in verse two, and though I have the gift of all prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Verse four says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself or is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love endures all things. And finally, verse 8, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail in the future. Whether there are tongues, they will cease in the future. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away in the future. Paul is speaking in the future tense here. Now, Paul said everything that we have been gifted with to help us survive on this planet will vanish when Christ returns. But love is everlasting. Love is going nowhere, saints. In verse 4 through 8, just in case we have no clue what love is, Paul lays out what it means to walk in love. And we're going to revisit those. Verses 4 through 8. Paul says, beginning at verse 4, love suffers long and is kind. We have to put up with a lot and still walk in love. Love does not envy. I don't want what you have and you shouldn't want what I have. Love does not parade itself. Love is not an attention seeker. Love is not puffed up. Love is not proud, saints, or putting yourself or elevating yourself above others. That's not what love is. Uh, verse 5 says, love does not behave rudely. Love doesn't cuss people out at the drop of a hat. I saw a young lady wearing a t-shirt and on the t-shirt it says I'm that girl don't try me <laughs> all I could say to myself is I hope she finds Christ because if she professed to be a Christian I didn't know if she was or not that's not how we walk I'm that girl don't try me that's what the shirt said cute shirt but my goodness I'm that girl don't try me it sounds to me like she's ready for battle. Now, continuing on in verse five, it says, love does, does not seek its own. Love seeks the will of God, saints. Love looks out for others. Love is not provoked. We should not react to bad behavior. Love does not think evil. We supposed to cast down all evil thoughts that enter into our minds. 
Because you know, if you constantly think about a certain thing, you will eventually receive it in your heart. And if it's in your heart, you will act on it. So we don't think evil. We cast those evil thoughts out of our mind. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. We don't celebrate bad behavior, but rejoices in the truth. Verse seven, love bears all things. Love suffers. It suffers things pertaining to God's will. We don't suffer for evil. We suffer for good. Love believes all things. It hopes all things. It hopes and believes in the things according to the future promises of God. Love endures all things, good or painful, if it's within God's will. Love never fails, saints. But whether they are prophecies, they will fail. Whether they are tongues, they will cease. See, these are things we need right now so that we can endure the evils of this world to help us fight the good fight of faith. But love will be around for an eternity. Love was at the beginning of the earth and love will be at the end. Now, if we are walking in love, Romans 5, verse 5, New Living Translation says, this is the Apostle Paul talking, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Not fill our hearts with hate. Now let me read this in the, in the New King James Version. I love the New Living. It lays things out, but you have to be careful. You have to really be astute in, in the Bible to, have, to, to literally read the New uh, living translation because you have to be careful that they are not interpreting what the scripture says instead of just giving a translation of the Greek and the Hebrew words and the uh, Arabic words and some Latin as well. New King James Roman 5 5 I like this too it says now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Oh my, who was given to us. Now, if we love this world and the things of the world, the love of God is not in us. If we don't love our sisters and brothers in Christ and don't love our neighbors, the love of the Father is not in us. Therefore, we are not born again, saints. See, that's one of the reasons I felt the need to share this message is because we have people professing to be Christians, but you can't tell. What did Jesus say at the beginning of this message in Matthew 22? He said that we ought to love one another so that the world can know that we are his disciples. We have Christians that are disengaged with one another. They are disconnected. There's a disconnect with the church. We have so many denominations. And most of them are not walking in love, especially the Baptist church. You hear gossip. The pastor talking about we we don't speak about speaking in tongues in here. Uh, we 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 don't talk about Holy Spirit up in here. Oh, you don't talk about the Holy Spirit, but that's what the whole New Testament is about. The whole New Testament talks about the Holy Spirit. So we have to really be careful that we are not encountering a an assembly that Satan is in the pulpit speaking to the people. 
And I'm saying that from my heart. I am concerned. I've been to some churches and I've seen it. I've heard it. And thank God I know the word of God. That's why I share learning Bible truth so that you can know the truth and you do what you want with the truth. If you don't give the uh, people the truth of these scriptures with all these lies roaming and floating around, my God, how are you going to lead them to Jesus? Because it's not about the pastor. It's not about the deacons. It's not about the choir. It's about Jesus. Christ is the head of the church, but yet we have people that put their names on the church. So-and-so ministries. This and that ministry. So-and-so Baptist church. I, I, I'm still baffled. Now the promise to fill our hearts with God's spirit, the Holy Spirit was prophesied in Ezekiel chapter 36 and Joel or either Joel chapter two. And we are going to visit both of these prophecies because although it's associated with the Holy Spirit, we're talking about two different fillings of the Holy Spirit. One is an infilling of the Holy Spirit and the other one is the seal of the Holy Spirit. Go to Ezekiel chapter 36 first, and I'll be reading verses 25 through 27, still reading from the New King James Version. And I am reading. You guys know you have the ability to pause the tape, and when you find the scriptures, you can press play, and we will be on the same page. Ezekiel 36, beginning at verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. Now, this is talk, eventually talking about cleansing us from sin. Okay, about, with the blood of Jesus. Uh, and it continues, I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And finally, verse 20, 27 says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, my laws, my decrees, my commandments. Okay. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Now, this prophecy was confirmed in Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter one. I'll be reading verses 13 and 14. And if you don't want to follow me in the scriptures now, you can just listen. You can write them down. And when this message is over, you can revisit these scriptures yourselves. Ephesians chapter one, I'm reading verses 13 and 14. It says in him, you also trusted. This is the apostle Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. In him is Jesus in Jesus you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy spirit of promise. That promise came was prophe prophesied through Ezekiel from God. Okay. Verse 14, who is the guarantee who the spirit, the seal of the Holy spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. The purchased possession is our bodies. That's why the Bible speaks of us still being saved because our spirit is saved. Our spirit is born again, but our flesh is not. We will receive new bodies. That's a whole new teaching when Christ returns. 
and not a brand new body. I'll speak more about that toward the end of this message, but our bodies will be made new. Okay. Verse 14 again, who is the guarantee? What the seal of the Holy spirit of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now, Joel, on the other hand, was talking about another spirit. Joel chapter two, and I'll be reading verses 28 and 29. It says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Verse 29, and also on my men servants and on my maid servants, that's both male and female, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, God's promises to fill us with the Holy Spirit told to us by the, uh, uh, the prophet Joel came to pass in the book of Acts. Oh, yes, it was confirmed in the book of Acts. Acts chapter two, verses one through four. It says this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all, all, all leaves out no one, all who were in the upper room, by the way, they were all filled with one accord in one place. Verse two says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. My Lord, this same infilling of the Holy Spirit is available for us today. And the seal of the Holy Spirit spoken, spoken by Ezekiel and confirmed by Paul to the church at Ephesus is for us today when we accept Christ. Okay. So I'm going to confirm in scripture in the book of Acts, we are still there. Drop down to verses 14 through 21 as proof. This is for us today. But Peter standing up with the 11 raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. It's only 9 a.m. That's the third hour of the day. It's only 9 a.m. They thought these people were drunk, those who were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And Peter was defending them because he knew Bible prophecy. He knew the Old Testament scriptures. He knew what the prophet Joel had prophesied. So when it came to pass, he recognized it. That's one of the importance of knowing scripture. Verse 15 says again, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Verse 16 and 17 says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And verse 18, and on my men servants and on my maid servants, 
I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Now, that is also in the uh, book of Joel. But these are prophecies that had not come that haven't come to pass yet. But if I see them, I will recognize it's Bible prophecy. So there will be no fear in me. So if you know these things, you can't be afraid of them. Knowing things before it happens should eliminate your fear. Okay, so we don't need to address that right now, maybe in another teaching. But Joel prophesied this, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, because God promised to send it. And it was confirmed in the book of Acts. Oh, yes. And verse 21 says, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, the promise of the Holy Spirit is for everyone who receives Christ as Lord and Savior. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is not just going to jump on you. Not at all. You have to accept Christ and you have to receive the Holy Spirit. And if you have to receive the Holy Spirit, that means it's not going to be forced on you. Okay, it's available to everyone. No one is excluded. Now, we have to talk about the Holy Spirit in your heart if we are going to talk about walking in the laws of love. We have to talk about the Holy Spirit. We can't walk in love in this age and in the age to come without the Holy Spirit being placed in our hearts. Just like people today, the children of Israel and the Gentiles had a heart of stone. They could not walk in love because their hearts were so hardened and filled with evil and hate. Now, not only towards people, but towards God. It was in God's plan to change the heart of man. God would replace our heart of stone with a heart of flesh by sending the Holy Spirit. Now, we just read that God's promise to send the Holy Spirit is confirmed in Acts and Ephesians. Paul tells us in, in Romans 8:11 about a change in who we are if the Holy Spirit is in us. So let's read that. It's Romans uh, 8 and verse 11. Paul says, but if, that's the qualifier, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus, that's the spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That's if the spirit of God is in you. Mm -hmm. There would be a change. You would know it. People who knew your past will see the new you and they would know it. That spirit that dwells in us is the seal of the Holy Spirit. Now we need to know the difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit versus being sealed with the spirit. I don't want you to be confused. Now, the moment we accept Christ, I said this earlier, as Lord and Savior, we are automatically sealed with the spirit of love. That's the spirit of love that's placed in our hearts. That's the spirit that changes our stony heart to a fleshly heart. This is what Ezekiel was prophesying about. Now, being filled with the Holy Spirit is what the prophet Joel prophesied about. Being filled is where our power comes from. Now, we all know that every Christian does not speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues, however, is the only proof that is documented in the Bible that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't need to speak in tongues to be saved. Thank God. And I know some of y'all 
or just sighed and said, oh, no, you don't need to speak in tongues to be saved. You don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be saved, but you need it for power. You needed to preach the gospel. You needed to share Christ because you want, there will be no fear in you. None at all. So you most definitely need the seal of the Holy Spirit to walk in love and to confirm your salvation. That seal confirms your salvation. That's why God said in Ezekiel 36, 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, in my laws, in my decrees, in my commandments, and you will keep my judgments and do them. So when Paul spoke to Rome, uh, to the Romans in uh, Romans 8, 11, about if God's spirit dwells in us, we will be walking differently. We will be talking differently and we would be believing differently. Now, for those who say God is still working on me, my question to you is, why are you fighting God to the point where he is still working on you after you claim to believe in him 15 years ago? I'm going to leave that right, right there. You can answer that question to yourself. I'm asking you the question, but I don't need to know the answer. You do. Because God is not still working on me. I'm still learning scripture, but I know the laws of love, which is what we are asked to walk in. All God's scriptures connect together. Okay. They all connect together in some shape or form, which is why I can connect a New Testament scripture to the Old Testament. Okay. If it was prophesied in the Old Testament, the New Testament scriptures should be able to confirm what was prophesied in the Old Testament. Okay. Now we cannot love this world and claim to love God. No, you can't love the world and claim to be walking in the laws of love. No, first John chapter two, I'll be reading verses 15 through 17. This is the new living translation. It says this. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. That means that's the seal of the Holy Spirit. If the Spirit of God is in you, it won't allow you to love this world. It won't allow you to do it. Because it is so against the things of this evil world, it will not allow you to do it if it is placed in your heart. Okay? Now, verse 16 says, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the father, but are from this world, my Lord. And finally, verse 17 says, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but Anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. And what pleases God? Walking in his laws of love. That's what pleases God. And if you're walking in the things of the world, you are not walking in the laws of love. We need to know this so we can know what not to do. Okay. Now, how we feel about our imperfect sisters and brothers in Christ will tell us if we love God or not. And if we have the seal of the Holy Spirit within our hearts. There is no way on this earth we cannot love God 
not love our neighbors and not love our family in Christ and have the love of God in our hearts. It, it doesn't make sense, saints. We would be deceiving ourselves. Go to 1 John chapter 4. I'll be reading verses 20 and 21. Still the New Living Translation. It says, If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? Verse 21 says, and he has given us this command, this law, this decree, because that's what the command is. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Remember the first commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your spirit and all your soul. And the second one is like the same love your neighbor as yourself. The third one is to love your brothers and sisters. Uh-huh. We have to love one another so that the world will know we are uh, Jesus's disciples. Now, we have to make sure we understand that the third law of love is loving our brothers and sisters. Now, we can't fool God. He knows our hearts. That's why 1 Samuel 16 and 17 says that man looks at the outward appearance of men, but God looks at the heart. We have to get away from judging people how they look. We can't judge a book by its cover. Boy, that saying makes so much sense. We can't judge someone from their outward appearance. We can't. We need to know what's in their heart. But their actions and what comes out of their mouths can tell us a little bit about what's in their heart. Uh-huh. Now, we are under all three laws of love. But if we don't have love in our hearts, it's impossible to walk in the three laws of love. We, we really need to understand that, saints. How often do we pray for our sisters and brothers to be healed of sickness and or delivered from a bad marriage? Or do you gossip about it? Gossiping is not praying. Oh, no. Gossiping is not praying for our sisters and brothers. How often do you stand in the midst of people who are gossiping about it, but you, you don't participate? Well, guilt by association. Remove yourself from that. So that information that they're talking about or discussing about your friend won't get in your spirit. Rebuke them. You don't have to rebuke them out loud. You can rebuke them to yourself and say, oh, I rebuke them in the name of Jesus. Let me remove myself from this, this conversation. You shouldn't even have it within earshot. If you are walking in faith, there is action behind your faith. Now, James, Jesus's brother said, faith without works is dead. Hmm. Faith without works is dead. Okay, but we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, Paul says. Okay, so let's see what James is talking about. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. And I'm back in the New King James Version. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Verse 15 says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. Verse 16 says, and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well, 
but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Hmm. Verse 17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. And forgive me, that was the New Living Translation, not the New King James. Forgive me. You can read either version. It's going to say the same thing, but you will see different words. The New Living is a better translation, which is why I had that documented. Um, if love is in your heart, it will produce good works in your actions. Now, if you love people, help them if you can. We are not saved by doing good works. Let me make that clear. But if we are truly saved, our love will be shown by what we do for others in need. James and Paul are talking about two different kinds of faith. Faith has levels. Please understand this. James and Paul are in agreement with, with one another. And so should we be. Because Paul told the, uh, the church in Galatia, in uh, Galatia, he told the Galatians that faith works by love. Now, let's read Galatians 5. I'm only going to read verses 5 and 6, and this is the New Living Translation. It says, But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Now, he was explaining to the Galatians about circumcision, which was under the Abrahamic law. You had a male child who was born when they made eight days old, had to be circumcised with the uh, foreskin being removed from the, the penis. Um, So... What the Apostle Paul was saying is we have the circumcision of the heart. We don't need to be physically circumcised anymore. Circumcision of the heart. So let's read this in the New King James Version. Um, what I just read, Galatians 5, uh, verses 5 and 6. Let me read that and then I'll read a scripture confirming that we are under circumcision of the heart um, not physical circumcision, which was associated with the Abrahamic law. Even though Paul, Paul was under the Mosaic law before he converted over to Christ, accepted uh, Christ as the true Messiah and the Mosaic law. He had been circumcised and he followed the, the laws of Moses. Now, circumcision actually was a, a symbolic of love for God. But now we have the seal in our hearts and Paul is going to explain that. But right now, let me read Galatians 5, uh, verses 5 and 6 in the New King James Version. It says, For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. They both mean the same thing, but see, the wordings are different. New Living Translation and the New King James Version. Now, our circumcision is of the heart, which is in Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. This is the New King James Version. It says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, 
nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. Verse 29, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter. The letter is talking about the law, the Abrahamic law, okay, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Now, when we walk in all three laws of love, we represent all three covenants, the Mosaic covenant and the Abrahamic covenant. The covenant purchased with the blood of Jesus is the new and final covenant that we are under. It was purchased by the blood of Jesus. Jesus did not change the laws. He fulfilled the laws with love. Yes, he fulfilled the laws with love. Go to Matthew chapter five. I'll be reading verses 17 and 18, New King James and the New Living Translation. New King James, uh, Matthew chapter five, beginning at verse 17 says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Verse 18, for assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. The New King James says, Matthew 5, beginning at verse 17, not New King James, I'm sorry, New Living Translation says, don't misunderstand what I have come, why I have come. This is Jesus talking. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose, the purpose of the writing of the prophets. Verse 18 says, I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear. Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Now, let's look at Matthew 5, 17 and 18 in the Amplified. Okay, because these scriptures are so important. I need you to hear three different versions, but they all say the same. Beginning at verse 17, it says, Do not think that I came to do away with or undo the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Verse 18, I'm sorry. For I assure you and most solemnly say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of the pen will pass from the law until all things which it foreshadows are accomplished. So how did Jesus fulfill the laws of Moses and of the prophets? How did he do it? Go to John 3.16. Uh-huh. John 3.16. And I am reading the New King James Version. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, John chapter 19 verses 25 through 30 Oh, it's so important. Let me read it first. You will hear the answers in John 19 verses 25 through 30. This is the New King James Version. It says, Now there stood by the cross, my Lord, of Jesus, his mother, 
and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Verse 26 says, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Verse 27, then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his home. Took who? Jesus' mother Mary, who was not a deity. Now, I want you to notice something here. I didn't pick up on it, uh, and God didn't give me the revelation until I actually read this. And I knew this was in the Bible, but I, 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 did you catch it? He says, woman, behold your son. We automatically assume that he was talking about himself. He wasn't. He was talking about the disciple whom he loved. Because verse 27 confirms that. It confirms that revelation. Verse 27 says, then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. Behold your son to his mother and to the disciple, behold your mother. He is saying, this is now your son and telling the disciple, this is now your mother. Isn't that interesting? It's neither here nor there, has nothing to do with our salvation, but it's interesting that I'd share that. I thought I would share that because it was interesting. Um, verse 27 again, let me close that out. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home, took Mary to his own home. So what happened to Mary's mother? I mean, Mary's husband and, and Jesus's other brothers and sisters. I don't know, but that has nothing to do with our salvation. I'm quite sure I can find it if I go ahead on and research in the scriptures. Verse 28 says, after this, please hear this, y'all. Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, the prophets, in the laws and the prophets, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Verse 29 and 30 says, now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. My Lord, let's, let's read this in the New Living Translation. I wasn't going to do it, but let, let, let's go to the New Living Translation. John 19, beginning at verse 25. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Verse 26 and 27 says, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Verse 28 and 29 says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. Verses 29 and 30 says, a jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop, a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. 
Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. When Jesus said, it is finished. That's where I wanted you to hang your hat on right there when I spoke about this at the beginning of this message. Jesus confirmed that he had fulfilled the entire law with one word, love. By dying on the cross for you, dying on that cross for me, and dying for everyone in the entire world, Christ showed his love for mankind. Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sin. That ultimate price was death. Remember Matthew 22, 36, 40. Jesus confirmed the two laws of love. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Verse 39, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Think about that, saints. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The laws of Moses and the prophets were summed up by these two laws of love. In John 13, 34, Jesus gave us the third law of love. We must love one another. God showed his love in John 3, 16. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal or everlasting life, which means our spirit will never die. And when Christ returns to retrieve his church, we will receive bodies made new, not new bodies, bodies made new, bodies that will never be sick again, bodies that will no longer feel pain, and most of all, bodies that will never die again. Now that's love, saints. This is why we must walk in love every day. Until next time, saints. Love God first. If you love God, you will keep his commandments, the Bible say. Love your neighbor as yourself. If your neighbor is in need, not only will you pray for them, you would do for them if you have the means to. Love your sisters and brothers in Christ. If they are in need, you will not only pray for them, you will do for them if you have the means to. Peace out. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions, please send them to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can use the Q&A. And if you would like to support this podcast, you can donate from the platform you are listening on. Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Audible, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, and a few more. And contribute an amount of your choice. Or you can send your C to my cash app. That's dollar sign Dr. Kamala D. That is dollar sign capital D, lowercase r, capital C, lowercase a-m-a-l-e, capital D. Anything you choose to send will be greatly appreciated. Now until next time, 
Remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We as listeners walk by faith and not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamla D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. Thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.